So Microsoft has to pay $20 million in fines for violating children's privacy. Well, go figure. Welcome to Grounded, the place to hear the salty truth. I'm your host, Scott Cates, coming to you live from the Northeast Georgia mountains and the tiny town of Tiger, where today we get to get into a great discussion about the heartbeat of the people. But as we go into that, we get into that, I, I want to talk about a little bit today about what's actually happening out there. I saw just a, a headline about the fact that uh, Microsoft ended up having to uh, pay $20 million for violating children's privacy. It turns out that in the article that I'm reading, that, uh, that the, the tech giant basically has decided that um, they are actually has been found out the fact that they were collecting children's information that they should not have been doing without parental consent. Now, it's $20 million settlement, but if you think about it, it's for all the children that have basically signed into Xbox over all of the years and collecting their information so that they can watch those kids for a lifetime and begin to feed them information and addict them to things that you would never imagine. So $20 million is kind of a small settlement, really, when it comes down to things like this. And then, of course, we figure out and we find out, oh, my goodness, we couldn't trust Microsoft. Wow. Go figure. Who would have thought, right? I understand. And all of a sudden today, we have we kind of have a trust issue. It isn't just with Microsoft. We discovered today we can't trust Microsoft. We can't trust you know our our big tech giants. We can't trust healthcare. We can't trust the vaccines that they're putting in our arm. We can't trust our politicians. Go figure on that. We kind of knew that was going to be the case. We we can't trust politics. We can't trust our government in some ways. We're discovering that big time with all the retractions from the CDC lately and all of those things that are happening it's like there's this lack of trust everywhere and so when people step up and say trust me and it gets to a point where it gets down to the local level you can't trust retail outlets you can't trust businesses you can't trust your friends you can't trust and there's this spirit and a lack of trust amongst the people which brings me to the heartbeat of the people today and so I have a really good friend that's with me that I've known for about 20 years and uh, been able to uh, experience just her life, which has been amazing. She's been a very intricate part of my life, and uh, she's been uh, very instrumental in, in helping me to meet people and uh, helping me to talk to people and talk, to, talk to, uh, to them about difficult situations and good situations and talk to them about Jesus as well. And let me introduce you to Kim Beck. Say hello, Kim. Hi. So, Listen, tell me a little bit about you, what you do. Um, I know what you do, but let everybody else kind of know what you do, where you are, and why you're, we'll talk about why you're actually at the pulse and the heartbeat of the people, but tell us a little bit about you and what you do, who you are. Well, I'm a mother, and I'm a wife, and I'm a grandmother, and I'm a server at Rusty Bike Cafe. It's a local cafe in town, Mm -hmm. and it's something I absolutely love to do. Mm interacting with the people and I've gotten a chance to get to know a lot of people Mm -hmm. in our community and especially with you yeah and um you've been in my life for a long time long time 
a long time. I, I, Through the ins and outs. <laughs> I, I know it. I remember, I remember looking back. I remember when you worked at, at Mama G's. Yeah. At what point you were coming out. He said you were at Fru- Fruit of the Loom. Yeah. And before this, you were working um, as a mechanic at Fruit yeah. of the Loom. And, and they closed. Mm-hmm. And so you had to find somewhere to go and something to do. And you began to work at Mama G's. And I remember coming in at Mama G's and you would always stand at the table and you would talk with us and you would ask us about our lives. And to be honest with you, one of my favorites, one of my favorite things to ask people is to tell me about your world came a lot from you walking up to me at Mama G's and saying, tell me about you. And I would watch you go table to table and these people would tell you about their lives. And it was like you collected experiences with people, which I thought was just fascinating. And I, and uh, I would be, I would, there were people that I was with and I said, boy, if I was still recruiting for Columbia hospitals, I would have recruited her already because she ran around to get to know everybody. And I always thought that was amazing. So uh, I think you do well at what you do. And uh, it's not just the fact that you serve at the Rusty bike, but you actually care for people, which I think is incredible. And, uh, so, um, so, you know, I was, we were discussing earlier about how things have changed over the last 20 years. Do you remember when September 11th hit? Absolutely. So, you know, that wasn't that, an, that was just bizarre. We were watching this happen. It was like you're in a daydream. It was. And all of a sudden people were just so startled. Mm-hmm. I was in a discussion with uh, Brian Fawcett and we were talking about the fact that um, when that happened, sort of the God of of protection, we thought we, 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 actually, we had all of our faith and all of the might of this nation. And we got kind of snuck in under the radar, if you will, got attacked and it scared the living daylights out of people. And for a few days, they came into church and began to pray. And then they just flocked out of the church. But everybody was sort of uneasy in those moments. You were working at Fruit. Well, nobody yeah. felt safe anymore. That's right. And still don't, I don't think. Because in our time, that was the first time we had ever had an attack like that. On the on the yeah. homeland. That's yeah. right. That's true. And so, yeah, so our safety, you know, our God of safety, if you will, that we had that protection, sort of a sort of the warm blanket yeah. we thought got lifted. And that lifted. And when it did, it changed. It changed people altogether. I agree. And so if you move forward and you get into the financial crisis of 2007 and 8, you walk into Mama G's in 2007 and the nation is like booming. Fantastic. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Raven County was just exploding and just, it was amazing. And then within like 18 months, you could go downtown and there weren't on Savannah Street, there weren't but like two businesses open. Everything else was shut down and closed during that time. It devastated a lot of community people, like their businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, contractors got hit really hard. Oh, they did. Real estate people. I mean, people's livelihood was ruined. It you was. Know? It was. So that was a big thing, a big adjustment. And it, that's not long after 2011. No, uh, 2001. So, or 2001. Yeah. So you're, you're getting hit like over right. again. So, yeah, so there, there's another hit that takes place, but you get to watch the change. So you, you start at Mama G's in 2007, and really, in Raven County, we don't feel the pressure of that until really late December, maybe the beginning of 2009. Everything changes. There's a turn that changes. There's a really, I look at it as a depression that took place in this county. It was. It was a mini depression for it was. us. There was a change. There was a change in people that went to church. There was a change in people in town. Suicides were at an all-time high. Uh, people were flocking out of the county to go and rescue family members that were in dire straits. You know, people that they people had to move in with other people. We saw all 
of that. You I saw was that. around a lot of drinking back then. Yeah. Like there, a lot of people had turned to alcohol. Yeah, to, to numb themselves. Yeah. 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 Just to, to numb just, the pain. Just to get through it. Mm-hmm. So then from that, we, we sort of, and it took us a while to recover, probably a good five or six years in this county to actually recover. And you're watching people sort of build a little more and sort of build that trust back a little more. And then we start feeling pretty good. And then here comes the pandemic of 2020, March 16th, 2020, when everything begins, it just shuts down and changes everything. So what do you think changed then? I think a big trust thing went out the window there. Because we, our country had never been shut down for right. that long. Right. Never knew we could do that. That they, that, that, that I didn't care to sit at home. You right. Know? I know. Yeah. Like, and be in my garden and, you know, live life on the internet. Yeah. I guess everybody started getting on the internet that didn't get on it. Because I was, like, oblivious to always being on. Yeah, online. The, online. Right. And that brought a lot of people to communicate with each other online. It did, yeah. And so then the necessity to be face-to-face. Mm-hmm. But it also caused a lot of conflict. It did. Separation, division. Because mm-hmm. people were so stressed out and so worried. They were. Because they didn't know what was going to happen. But you had a wave, you know. You, you had this wave that came, and then all of a sudden thing looked, things looked like they were going to go good. And then they said, oh, no, there's a variant. Yeah. And when it came, kept boom. kept playing with you. Yeah, and it went yeah. back and forth. And so and, and, and when I was talking to Brian, one of the things I said was we felt like we'd been had. It's kind of like a, a bad boyfriend when you break out and you get back together. And you know what I mean? It's yeah, exactly. like that wave of distrust. The wave of distrust. Yeah. And that's a good point. And then you discover that... Um, all the things that you were told, many of the things that you were told weren't. And all of a sudden there's a huge wave of distrust. All of that comes unraveled and it really starts coming unraveled in a, in a really big way, not January of this year, but January of last year. And I remember, um, being in the rusty bike because in the, what is it? 10 years? The rusty bike has been open now. Over 10 years. Probably about seven of that. I was in there just about every day, you know, remember that. (laughs) And so last year, uh, in January, it was so disheartening to come in every morning and listen to people just at each other's, you know, on each other's nerves and angry and upsetting and speaking loudly and, all of those things, all about, and politics, politics, you know, with the politics that were going on during that time. So much conflict. Yeah, the conflict. And the conflict became almost unbearable. It became personal. It did. Um, Our conflict no longer was debates. It was more, my, I'm right and you're wrong. Right. There was no in-between. Right. So there's no gray area at all and no connection. I mean, this complete division, you know, which takes place. No goodness in conversation. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. The conversation all about negativity. Mm-hmm. We and, weren't encouraging each other anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that as well. So over the last 20 years, you know, we see sort of this move, this move nationwide, but a move in the hearts of people. The trust isn't there, but people begin to change wholeheartedly anyway. Second Timothy chapter three, verses one through five says this, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will become lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, 
reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And some having the appearance of godliness will deny its power. Do you think that has become more prominent over the last 20 years as time has progressed? This has become something that has become sort of more at the forefront. It started very subtle, like very. It was just little things that would take away your distrust in humanity. Wow. And um, your faith and like searching for knowledge in God, you know? Right. Like they made it easier for you to cling on to other little things. Wow. Like yeah. shiny tickling of the ear, like things that you would want to maybe see for yourself instead of just believing. Right. You know what I mean? I understand. Like it was like you had to prove further and further and further without somebody getting into the word right. of God. Mm-hmm. They want you to tell them and then them just ah, accept it for that. For whatever it was, whether it was yeah. the word of God or they not. They didn't whether, want to do the work. I got you. So the search for truth ended up being whatever your truth might be. Given. Just share it with me or, you know, in that as well. So, so what you're, so basically in, in this, um, with, as all of these things, so, so you really have this God of protection that we've built in ourselves and believing in our might to get that crumbles. Again, you have the God of, of prosperity and wealth that crumbles as well. COVID-19, you have the health, the God of health that crumbles as well. So now you've got the entire health, wealth, and prosperity God and sort of the protection in the hand of God um, that we that is assumed, basically, at this point has been removed. But for many people, that was God. I mean, you can't come, you can't belong to a nation where the health, wealth, and prosperity is preached 24-7 and not have people assume maybe God has taken his hand off this nation or maybe God has raised up his protection from this nation and maybe God has, and all of those maybes that are out there. And I've heard a number of those things other than the fact that we live in a fallen world. We just live in a fallen world and sometimes these things do take place. And then I see all of these people start, you know, looking up and saying, oh my goodness, because these things, because of the God of wealth and prosperity and health has all been toppled, surely Jesus is coming. But if you look overseas, they never had any of those things in the first place. Yeah, it's been coming for them for a long time. Yeah, so there's a danger in the belief Mm -hmm. of the health, wealth, and prosperity God, and that trickles down to the people. And so it really tested faith. And it didn't just test faith for believers it did that as well but it tested the faith of people in just the general trust of the day even people that have faith right trusted their faith it tested their faith i mean you have to have trust in your surroundings or you lose faith yourself that's a good point and if you don't stay in the word every day it's the same thing you right. know what i mean i do like, you can't have that trust if you don't do it every single day. So it's like you said, it was sort of subtle and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, people would put their faith in this and their trust in this and whatever they could grab for here and whatever they could grab temporal, for temporal there things. because, because the God that they were, were believing in that you could, that was predictable. Mm-hmm. I mean, goodness gracious, you went through the, the, in, the majority of the 20th century believing in the things that were built and the things that were built upon when an industrial revolution, really, we get into the 21st century and we're still sort of riding that wave. Now we get into the God of technology, if you will, and the trusting in the technology and all of that, and it comes out. And then all we discover behind that is a 
serious evil that has got a hook that is way brutal. serious. It's way serious. With a but hook. it's all temporal <laughs> because it's like in the day of Noah, you know, mm-hmm. when you become totally unrighteous, he's going to come and like destroy that. Like that you're not living the way he wants you to. Sure. He's going to, he's going to actually stop that. And we see yeah. that actually happening too, where he steps up and says, I've got to stop this. I've got to blot you out. That's exactly right. So here we are, and we're in a nation where there's a lack of trust. You see it on the front lines every day. So people come to the breakfast bar. You're pouring them coffee. They're telling you about their lives because there is a genuine, really there is a genuine need for people to want to talk about what's happening in their lives. You would agree with me on that? Absolutely. I mean, people come in, I call it hangry, Yeah. but they're not really angry they're hungry and they're not just hungry for food. They're hungry for social interaction. Interaction. I mean, genuine, not just <clears throat> what you can get on. Yeah. Not just like um, a fake smile here and there, right. you know, and just taking their order. I mean, yeah, if you're really busy, you don't get time to talk to everybody, but you want to at least connect with them. Right. You know what I mean? Cause sometimes that's all anybody needs is a smile. That's right. For the day yeah. you can make a difference. Or eye contact. Right, you know. right. So in, so I, through the years, it's been kind of amazing. I, I'll walk in uh, to the restaurant at times, and you'll say, "Hey, come over here and uh, talk to this person." I have this person here. You know, maybe you should you, could, you should talk to them. You know, one day I, pull, I I drove up and you just you came you met me in the parking lot and took me by the hand and said, "Come to this table over here <laughs> and meet these folks." You know, and you have, we, you've done that you know through the years. And then there have been times I've sat in a place where you've brought people to me to sit down and, and have discussion that have, have have those things have gone on in their lives. And then countless the countless people that you've sent to church, you know, and said you've got to come over here. So you've actually, you yourself have actually been active at helping people in their lives and pointing them in that right direction and pointing them in the direction of truth and pointing them in the direction of Jesus. And and, Christ uh, lives in me. That's right. If he didn't live in me, I wouldn't want to be like his representative, you know? Right. I mean, if you're going to be his representative, you have to go all the way. You can't just go half in. Right. Like you have to make the commitment to do it every day. Right. Because sometimes, you know, I, I have bad days too. Right. But it's not my right to take it out on other people. That's you good. know what I mean? I, I do. And sometimes I have to go back in the tea station and pray myself. <laughs> I got you. I'm sure there are moments that that, <laughs> yeah. that takes place. So you, you have people, that, surely you don't have people that come in and try your patience. Well, I mean... <laughs> I try not to ever take it personally because most of the time it's, it's not. not about, it's not about you. It's no. not about me. Mm-mm. And that's the point is everybody has made everything about them. Right. And have made everything so self-centered these days. Easily offended. And that just comes with a lack of trust because everybody's just worried about themselves now. Right. Instead of those around them. Right. So it's really kind of blindness, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. A, and it's a subtle blindness. Because you don't even realize that you're doing it until you've hurt somebody. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? I do. And you, it can be just so something so small that not even like talking to somebody or ignoring someone, and then they take offense to it. Right. You know what I mean? I do. Because ignoring someone is worse than saying something mean to them. Right. All right, I do understand that. 
And so, uh, so and I, I wanted to ask this question. I really have wanted to ask this question for a long time. So I'm just going to put you on the spot with this question. Here we go. So what's it like on Sundays when the church people come in and you have to wait on church people on Sundays? What's that actually like? Because I've, I've heard from other people from time to time that church people can be difficult to work with on Sundays when they come in at times. They, they sort of expect the most. Did you find that to be the case much of the time or what? No, not all the time. Okay. No. I mean, there are some, and like I say, they might be hangry. Right. Okay. You know? Like they're hungry. They've been sitting in church all morning. Right. They haven't had anything to eat. Because so, it's amazing what hunger will do to your mood. Right. I have a good friend, yeah. and she often tells me what you need is a nap and a good meal to exactly. make it, you know, exactly. 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 So, and that, that's, uh, there's a lot of truth in yeah. that. But uh, so when you I'm obviously you have so you have days that are worse than others. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It takes a lot of strength. Sometimes I wear a bracelet, Joshua one nine, and it basically says, have I not commanded thee be strong of good courage? And that's my favorite. Good courage, because right. you can have bad courage, too. You and you don't want to have the bad courage. Be not afraid. Neither dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou shalt go. And it's so true because there's days that I have just squalled my eyes out. Right. And you see me. I like, do. I have I've seen those days. <laughs> from dealing with yeah, people that, know. you know, aren't so nice sometimes. Right. But then you have to let God take over. You can't like Yeah. You can't hate that person or dislike that person for being that way. Right. Because they've got something going on yeah. with them. It's right. not about you. Right. So with all of that, so would you say that, well, I know when you were, there wasn't a lot of interaction when you were at Fruit of the Loom. You, yeah, you sort, very. Yeah, isolated. <laughs> like, I know. Same people for same people. 14 years. Right. So, yeah. and and it's kind of isolating, but now you're you're kind of thrust into the limelight mm -hmm. and to be honest with you you are really on display on the town square that's where you are you're literally placed on the town square because the rusty bike cafe is the town square in our town you, you go there to everybody goes there to eat and there's usually line out the door and you know during the during the holidays and it's not just the town square you get to see people coming from nationwide everywhere everywhere all over the nation that <laughs> was we were talking I've met people that have met my own daughter who lives in budapest oh wow yeah so yeah, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, I know small world. Yeah. So I remember uh, we've had so many different people that have come in. I was talking to you earlier. You know, Clint Eastwood was filming a, a movie mm -hmm. here, and the whole film crew came in, and we met the whole film crew. We've one had day. many film crews yeah. I know, that have they're come all really through. Great. Yeah, yeah, and they're all, all all across the nation, coming from California, and mm -hmm. and all of them say the same thing. They're they're all like, we want to come here and move here and retire here and live here. Who doesn't want to live? Like you said earlier. Well, yeah, it's beautiful. It is. We live in a, I mean, I'm from San Francisco. Right. <laughs> I know what it's like to live in a big city in a concrete jungle, you know? Yeah. Not, you don't have this beauty. Right. Clean air, nice people. I mean, as much as we think we deal sometimes with people who aren't as nice. Right. Yeah, go somewhere else. <laughs> They'll let you know real right. quick. Right. So to be put on display like that, to be put on display and to be at the heartbeat, really the heartbeat of the people and at the pulse, literally the pulse on people's lives. My question is, you went from isolation to, to being put on display and that's intimidating. I mean, it's intimidating up front. And today, it, it, I, if the days progress like we're talking about, it's not much easier 
but you've found a way to make it through every day, to be encouraging to those who are around you, to walk every day, to get home from work, to lay your head on the pillow, find peace at night, to get up the next day and come in motivated. There's never been a time I've ever seen you come in in the morning that you weren't motivated. And I've seen you tired where, yeah. you know, I'm a morning person. Though, I, well, so it's yeah. kind of easy for me. Well, I, I've watched you uh, at, at moments where I'm like, pour the caffeine to it. You yeah. know, so, <laughs> but, uh, but in that, what would you say if, if I, if I were going to ask you in dealing with the general public and people of all walks of life, what would be some key things that get you through key Bible verses that may maybe get you through as you're dealing with that and seeing all of these things? Cause it's overwhelming sometimes to be in the middle of all of that, but to also be, really at what what you said a representative for christ right there what, well that's god's path for me right you have to know your path right and once you um trust the lord and you let him go with you right he'll take you wherever he needs to take you so he's played but he's placed you in the places oh he's absolutely put you. right so yeah. your path right now walking in this minute is where you are so mm -hmm. if you were going to encourage someone what are some things that that get you through the day um, John 13 verses 34 through 35, I give you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. So also must you love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. Yes. So for me to serve God, I also have to love you. And if you don't have love, you're not going to have trust. Right. And if you don't have trust, you're not going to have love. And so the love, really love overcomes it all. Love does. It does. Mm -hmm. You know, First um, Corinthians 13, that chapter yep. on love, love is patient. I think love we got kind. that right down. Do you got okay, so I will, I will steal your thinker. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, Ephesians, I'm a big lover of Ephesians because okay. I believe you got to put that body armor on. You do. You got to have it all. If there's any any book that you really need to like get down, Ephesians is something you need for your heart. It is good because it protects you. It does, you know. Um, Ephesians two eight, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from you yourselves; it is the gift of God. Grace being the gift of God. Grace is the gift of God, and it's also a gift you give to others. So mm -hmm. it's like you talking about the fact that, you know, I don't hold it. I don't hold the thing. You can't hold on to it. No, it's, it's not against you. So applying grace. That's but the that, biggest thing for people is to let go. Like something can ruin your day, like within an instant. Right. But if you just let it go, right. it'll make your day so much better. Right. So grace, and let me ask you this then, grace, what happens in the moments, because not every moment is perfect. We're not perfect. What about in the moments that you actually walk away and you regret you had, you know, I'm sure you got regrets in life. Oh, absolutely. And so how, I mean, do, you let, I, how do you human. let those go? How I do you... lose my patience. Yeah. Um, I've done things um, that were terrible things in my younger years right. before I became in Christ, you know, as much as I thought I was saved when I was younger, because I was saved when I was 11. Right. I remember getting saved. But I strayed away. Right. But I came back. Right. And I had to let go of those things. How did you for, How did you find the forgiveness to forgive yourself? The daily word, because it's a constant gotcha. battle. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. It's a constant battle because there are days you'll see someone you used to know 
talk to someone you used to know, have a memory that you used to have, right. you know? Yes. You'll have um, a conviction within your heart. Right. And if you're not feeling conviction, then there's probably something wrong. Right. So I, f- I take comfort in that because I'm alive. I'm right. still still working in my relationship with Christ. Right. Because you've got to know that you're alive. So part of it is not that applying grace to you mm-hmm. and applying forgiveness to you as well. That's oh, yeah. powerful. Forgiveness is the hardest thing you'll ever have to do. It is. It is. It, forgiveness, I've heard someone, because people ask me about this all the time. They ask me about how do you actually forgive and forget? Well, you weren't designed to do that. But you were designed to love the relationship more than the offense. Absolutely. And so putting the offense to the side to love the relationship more and that person more than you do the offense is a key. And that sometimes that's a reminder. That's why God says love conquers all. It's true. Well, the, well, the offense sometimes mm-hmm. is you've either damaged yourself or someone's damaged you in that, mm-hmm. if you will. And there is a wounding that takes place and getting past that wounding. Because at first, the offense is hurt. And they do, whether you've done it or someone's done it, it, the offense is hurt, but getting beyond the hurt to getting to oh, being over to look that, you to have find to the let love, it go. you have to let it go. That's good. You have to let it go. All right. So what else? Um, Luke is a good one. Luke six twenty seven. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. That's good. That's a great, and the practice of that, really the core of that is the practice of righteousness. It really is. So being able to love and um, to be able to, you know, answer with a kind word, your enemies is a challenge sometimes. Grandma always said you get more with lemonade than you do with lemons. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's good. What else? Anything else? Well, um, let's see. Well, you you said 1 Corinthians. I did. Good. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, that whole chapter that is, mm-hmm. the, it is there. And really, if you, when it gets down to it, the bottom line in that chapter, it talks about the fact that you can speak with the, you know, with the tongues of angels, you can be the mm-hmm. greatest speaker in the world. But if you have not love, you got nothing. It's just a sounding brass or it's clanging empty. gone. It's, it's empty. empty. It is. And no matter what you do, it's empty. Mm-hmm. Love is the catalyst and the key that provides the ability for you to not only forgive, um, yourself and apply grace in all of those areas, but it's also that same catalyst that allows you to continue on forward with every person that comes in. And into you have to life. mean love. You can't fake it. You can't. Yes. It's good. one thing you can't fake. Yeah. That's just true. It is. So, and in order for that to happen, you got to know love. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a constant daily thing to know love. It is. Because love is not what people think it is all the time. Right. Love thinks it's something sensual, you know what I mean? But it's not. It's a commitment. It's an overwhelming love, unconditional. To put conditions on love, you're just going against everything you've been taught. Right. Because you're not supposed to put any conditions on your love. Wow. Yeah, that's good. That's a great word. And that's hard. Really hard to do for people. It is. Because we've grown up in a society where I'll love you if you do this. Or if you do that, I'm not going to love you as much. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when you have Christ in your heart, those things don't matter. Right. You you learn to like forget. And if people say you can't you can forgive but you can't forget. I refuse to believe that. Because you can forget. Mm-hmm. 
You can forget that anger. Sure. You can forget that animosity. You can put aside that. You can put that aside. Well, yeah. Christ transforms you. You know what I mean? He does. When yes. he comes in, he takes all that anger and that pain and that hurt away. He does. Everybody is like trying to get on antidepressants when they just need to find Jesus. That's, that's, I mean, <laughs> wow. It's all that hard. I mean, I went through years of self medicating. Right. You know, I used to drink like a fish. But once Christ is in your heart, you just don't even want it anymore. Right. You're like, I, I don't have a need for it. So there is a there's a satisfaction and a Absolutely. fulfilling and um, an overflowing. Absolutely. That comes from the core of your soul. It's unlike anything else. Anything else. Right. So. And if you've never felt that feeling, you've not been saved. Gotcha. You've got to know that feeling of what it's like for Christ to change your life. Life is filled with life is filled with heartbreak. Oh, absolutely. Disappointment. Mm -hmm. And um, most, a lot of that comes from, you know, like again, again, others and us that we, you know, we do, it's filled with that. It's, it's going to be filled with that and overcoming those things are quite the challenge. It's quite the challenge to overcome those in everyday life with Jesus, let alone without. So you know, so anyway, that that being said, things have changed over the last 20, 25 oh, years. Oh, immensely. Yeah, they're a lot more intense, they feel. I'm more concerned about what, I mean, I've never seen our children attacked so much as they have been as now. Right. I mean, I grew up in San Francisco where it was the gay capital of the world, you know. Right. But I was a child then, and I did not see there then what I see here now. Right. And that concerns me because it's become, uh, it's like they turned our rainbow flag of hope around to now I'm taking over your nation. Right. You know what I mean? Uh Like they stole our flag. It's like they're claiming that they've defeated us in battle. And I refuse to believe that. I I believe that if everybody prays and gets together and sticks together and keeps pressing against this transgender movement, yeah. God will make an end to it somehow, some way. It was Yasser Arafat, I think, that said, give me your children and I'll build an army. Yeah. And uh, so... That's this what is, they're doing. Yeah, but it's not... A, it, but it, we look at it and they mm-hmm. say, well, well, they're taking our children. But that's not the case. It, when you when you don't say anything and you don't make the stand yeah. and you You're just let them... them do it. You let them come and take your children. And they believe that. There are, there's a lot of... There's an enormous amount of pursuing children on today's agendas that are far from morality and far from righteousness. And if the intention is to steal the hearts of kids, there's no doubt. And uh, unlike what it was like when we were coming up at all. Yeah, we didn't grow up like that. No, the, the, the idea when and we were And in such a short period of time. I know, I know. I mean, you've seen little things here and there. That's how subtle it was. But now it's like boom, boom, boom. Right. Like they're just with in, putting with it intention. in your face. With, with intention. With intention. Right yes. in your face. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I'm going to do it. And, and these children are so confused. They are. They have no idea. It's amazing. Uh, I. It, it really is amazing. There is sort of um, a look of, uh, I'm trying to think of, it's like almost like a blank stare that uh, of being overwhelmed that you see people that they're going through. Children often have a blank stare of what they're right. having. And it's an overwhelming of, of the heart of the things that they see that children ought not 
How can you fix what you don't even know is wrong? Right. To be talked about about it. So it's, it's really a, and in, in their minds, there are so many that Mm -hmm. you see that sort of stare and hopelessness and despair and children with anxiety and uh, all of this that's coming on that they've never had to face before. They're just overwhelmed with everything that's coming into their life. And if you, and it's almost like the state, if you can keep their head spinning, you know, if you can knock them off their senses, if you can cause enough chaos, right. Then you can program them to be, but they, but the problem with that is when they get older in life, they no longer want to, then they realize, oops, you know, that's right. Cause we, we all made mistakes when we were younger, Sure, but they weren't catastrophic life changing experiences to the point of mutilating our bodies. Right. You know what I mean? That's a big difference. It is. I agree. I mean, to, to tell children that they can't drink or smoke cigarettes or anything till they're 18 or 21, they can like cut their body parts off. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy to me. It is. It is. Like you can't even get a tattoo. What's, what's crazy to me? What's crazy about all of that? We weren't talking about this 18 months ago. No. It's all of a sudden, boom, we're yeah. talking about this. That's what they do. They get your weakest point. Yeah, I get that. I guess that's the, that, that's the case here. It's because everybody doesn't have that trustworthiness. Like these kids don't really have anybody to go to like their parents because their parents probably don't even know how to deal with it. Right. And if you're not in church or you're not in God's word... How are you going to know to deal with something like that? How do you explain to your children that what they're doing is wrong? When I was talking with Brian Fawcett and interviewing Brian, one of the things that he said was he said uh, that uh, the number of teenagers that had come to know Jesus and been baptized uh, 20 years ago was a certain number. And then it it was like one-tenth of that, really. I remember thinking, what is that, one-tenth or less of, of that, that teenagers are now coming to Christ because they're not in church. They don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. There's a whole generation. And that's a, that's a topic all in itself. Well, I read but a study this morning. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. I read a study this morning about how our nation has declined by 17% since 2008. Right. Of Christians. Christians, right. We're in the 80 percentile. You right. know what I mean? Sure. Um, to me, that's kind of scary. That we're losing that mindset of what our nation was built on. Because if we don't have that, right. what are we going to end up with? You also got to see, you, you also got to see just right beforehand what it was like before everybody was attached to a self or, mm-hmm. or a, a, a smartphone. Yeah. And what life was like with that. And now you watch them families walk into a restaurant and sit down and children and parents are both on cell phones and they never look. Oh, up absolutely. I have it every day. Every day. Yeah. Every day. That, and that seems to be the, the. But there are parents that are like, put, put that, that down that, and that, talk to the and That's good. You see that. And, and there's, that's actually, believe it or not, that's actually growing. More parents are like, no, yeah. that's yeah. not good. And I just, I just saw also where the flip phones, you know, are becoming more popular because both children and parents don't want their kids to have a smartphone to be to miss the things that are happening. So there's been a lot of things. There've been a lot of changes. And I just want to talk about that today and that we're kind of getting close on time uh, here today. If you were to say anything, just a last statement, last word, you got anything last that you would just like to say about that, about anything we've talked about today? As much as things change, no matter how bad they get, there's always Christ that you can go to. Amen. God is there. He is. He and is. it's so easy it's not easy living in the word, 
and living a life of service to God. But believing in Jesus Christ will absolutely change your life. It will. And now that she said that, you're listening to Grounded, the place to hear the salty truth. I'm your host, Scott Cates. Where are you is the question. Do you know Jesus Christ as Savior? In a time that is so confusing today with all the things that are going on, with all the things that are out there, um, what, what does truth look like to you? Because genuine truth is found in Christ Jesus. My question today is, have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you ever been saved? What are we saved from? It's our sins that keep us from God. Every person needs forgiveness of their sins. Without forgiveness of their sins, there's a very real place called hell that people will go if their sins are charged to them. It is a miracle that Jesus Christ can remove your sins from you because of the work that he did on the cross. And he shed his blood in order to be able to purchase your sins and to cast them as far away as it is the east from the west, the sins of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So, folks, today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, do you have a desire to walk with him? Do you have a desire to walk with God? If so, can you can stop right where you are today and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Take me to heaven when I die. I want to serve you today. I want to walk in truth. I want to walk with you. And, Lord, I need your presence in my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, become in charge of my life today. And in Jesus' name, amen. You can pray that. You can just talk to God. Prayer is just talking to God. Well, that about wraps us up on time uh, today. I want to thank you, Kim, for coming and uh, being a part of this. Thanks for uh, having me. Yes, it's uh, always uh, always great. We always have a great time in conversation. Looking forward to what's ahead. That's going to conclude the Heartbeat series, and we're about to move into a Mind, Body, Spirit series, but I've got uh, something exciting on the, uh, the Monday before the 4th of July to talk about about this nation and its founding. So I'm looking forward to that. So I will see you next Monday on July 3rd, and we'll talk about how this nation was founded. Have a great week, folks.